Well, I do hope that you had a good Thanksgiving celebration this past Thursday. We now make the quick transition from celebrating the Thanksgiving holiday, and we begin to make preparation, yes, already, for Christmas. You know, to to help us do that, to help us to prepare our hearts for the celebration of Christ's coming to us, His incarnation, the church for some 1,500 years has been celebrating the season of Advent. Four Sundays, 40 days leading up to Christmas Day, again, where we focus upon the incarnation of Jesus Christ, upon His first coming, and we consider its significance in our lives and in the world, and we also reflect as well and look forward to His second coming. Each of the four Sundays of Advent have a theme. Those four themes of the Sundays of Advent are hope, peace, joy, and love. Today we'll be focusing upon the hope that Jesus brings. What are you hoping in? Do you still have hope? Are you tempted to lose hope? In what? In whom? Are you placing your hopes? We're going to continue our examination of the book of Philippians throughout this Advent season. Today, our passage will be Philippians 3, verse 7 through verse 1 of chapter 4. And we'll especially focus our time today on verses 9 through 11 and 20 and 21. I've got this passage printed out in your bulletin. So if you'd like, you can follow along there or, of course, you can follow along in your Bible. Let's turn our attention again to the reading of God's holy, living, and inerrant word. The Apostle Paul writes, and it's this passage that we've been considering throughout these last couple of months, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. 
Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him to subject all things to Himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is God's word for you today. The grass may wither and the flower may fade, but the word of the Lord shall endure forever. Pray with me, please. Lord God, the fact that your word will endure forever is one of the reasons that we can have hope. We can also have hope for, because of what we're told in Jeremiah 31.3, where you tell us, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Lord, we can trust, we can have hope that because you have loved us this way in the past, because you have been faithful like this in the past, that we can look to you because of who you are and your enduring love for your people. We can look to you to continue to love us and to be faithful to us for all of the future. Lord, we ask you now to show us other reasons from this passage in Philippians why it is that we can have hope. And Lord, we ask this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, in whom we wait, in whom we trust, in whom we hope. In his name we pray, amen. Well, we looked at this passage a couple of weeks ago on the day that Maeve and Byron and Amelia were baptized. We'll can continue to consider it again today, looking at how it speaks to us about these reasons of why the follower of Christ can have hope. And we see first that the basis of the Christian's hope is that righteousness that comes from God as a result of faith in Christ Jesus. We're not saved because we're good enough to earn God's approval, but we're saved because Jesus is good enough. Jesus is perfectly righteous. And as we spoke about just a few minutes ago, God was pleased at the cross to take our sins and to lay that upon Jesus and to transfer to us Jesus' righteousness, Jesus' right standing with the Father that was given to us. Christ's right standing with the Father given to us is now the basis for our relationship with Him. And now the Father accepts us and loves us. He accepts and trusts all, all those who trust in Christ in the same way that He accepts and loves His Son, Jesus. That's the basis for the Christian's hope. A Christian can also have hope because the Lord makes Himself to be able to be known. That I may know Him is another of the great hopes of the Christian. As Paul writes these words, it's been maybe 30 years or so since he had met Jesus on the Damascus Road. 
Paul already knows Christ, but it's his desire to know him better. Is that your desire as well? To know Jesus better? Paul longed for a a greater, ever-expanding knowledge and ever-growing and ever-deepening intimacy with Jesus. In the incarnation, God made Himself to be known in this greater, more intimate way. Jesus says in John 14, 7, that to know Him is to know the Father. Hebrews 1.3 says that Christ is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. The Lord delights to make Himself known. Do we delight to know Him? Make growing in your knowledge and in your relationship with the Lord to be your great prayer, your great hope, just as it was for Paul. It's also the Christian's hope that we would know the power of his resurrection. And we see that in verse 10 as well. The the Christian can not only know Jesus, but we can also know the power of his resurrection. We can know it personally. We can know it experientially. The Christian can have hope because his or her life isn't a life that's dependent upon his or her own strength or power. But the Christian life is a life that's empowered by the power of the resurrection of Jesus. And there's no limit to that power. It was by the power of his resurrection that Jesus was raised from the dead. It was the power of His resurrection by which Lazarus was enabled to come out of the grave when Jesus spoke His name, even though He had been dead for four days. And it was by the power of the resurrection that the paralytic was made to be able to walk and the blind man to see and the leper to lose his spots. And friends, that same power has been given to us as well. And it's through the power of His resurrection, through the power of His Holy Spirit, that we can grow in wisdom in regards to the revelation of Jesus. That's what we're told in Colossians 1.9 and Ephesians 1.17. Having the eyes of our hearts enlightened, so that we might know what is the hope to which God has called us. And what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? Ephesians 1.18 And it's by the power of His resurrection, it's by the power of His Holy Spirit that the follower of Jesus Christ can do all things through Him who strengthens us. Philippians 4.13 For without God a great many things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Matthew 10:27 and Matthew 19. And it'll be through the power of his resurrection that we'll one day attain the resurrection from the dead. And that's the hope that Paul lays before us in verse 11. In John 14, Jesus tells his disciples that he was leaving them. 
But he said that he would come another day to take them to be where he is. And that's the same hope that every Christ follower has. That one day we will be with Jesus. That one day we will be where Jesus is. The resurrection of the dead will occur at the second coming, at the second advent of Jesus. We're told about this in 1 Thessalonians 4, where Paul says that the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always then be with the Lord. The first advent, the first coming of Jesus was and is great reason for hope. So too is the second advent of Jesus. The second coming of Jesus. For with His second coming, we'll all be taken up to be with Jesus bodily, personally, for all of eternity. This is our great hope. And in that day, we will know Jesus in fullness. Paul continues to speak of his hope in Christ throughout this passage. In verse 20, he speaks of the hope that is ours already because of our citizenship which is in heaven. In verses 18 and 19, Paul speaks of those who are enemies of Christ. And he says that such people set their minds upon earthly things. But Paul reminds his readers, and here the Lord through these words reminds us, that we don't belong to this world, but that we belong to heaven. For those of us who are Christians, it's, it's not uncommon for us to feel that we don't fit in in this world. The world has one set of priorities. The world has one set of principles by which people live, which can so often seem so different than how we desire to live in a way that will honor the Lord. And the reason that you can feel so out of place in the world is because you're not made for this world. But you've been made for heaven. You're strangers here. Aliens. Foreigners in this world, we're told in Scripture. You've been fashioned to be with the Lord in heaven. You've been given heavenly longings, heavenly desires, Heavenly hopes. And note this. Note note the language that Paul uses here. He says our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is there now. Our heavenly citizenship is a present reality. We possess that now. And we have to remember this. We have to remember that we don't belong to this world, but we belong to the kingdom of heaven. We don't belong to the kingdom of darkness, but we belong to the kingdom of light. We belong to the kingdom of Christ. 
and our King deserves our allegiance now and forever. The Christian is made for heaven. And our life here on this earth in these bodies are intended to be used by God to prepare us for heaven. To create in us a longing for heaven. Again, that's where our true home is. One writer has said, Genuine spirituality cannot long live without an attitude that's homesick for heaven. That lives with eternity's values in view and which eagerly awaits Christ's return. Genuine spirituality cannot long live without an attitude that's homesick for heaven. We eagerly await Christ's return. That's the next reason for our hope. The Christian lives with the hope and the eager expectation that Jesus will come soon to take us to be where He is. Paul makes mention of that also in verse 20. Our our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That Jesus is our Savior is our great hope. That Jesus is Lord and the Christ and our Savior is the Christian's great hope the Christian's great confidence. Jesus came once in His first coming. And He'll come again. And when He does, we'll attain the resurrection from the dead because of the power of His resurrection. And we will know Him completely, fully. And He will take us to our heavenly home so that we will be with Him. And when He does that, when He comes again in the second advent, we will finally come to experience a full salvation. And at that time, faith and hope will become fully realized. We'll experience our full salvation and we'll even be made to be like Him. That's what Paul says in verse 21. Christ will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him to subject all things to Himself. Christ will transform our bodies to be like His glorious body. When Christ comes again and takes us to be where He is, we'll experience that full resurrection from death just as He has. We'll be made to be like He is. We'll experience the full power of the resurrection just as Christ has. Death has no power over Jesus anymore. And death will have no power over us anymore as well. We'll live in glorified bodies which like Jesus will never again be subject to decay or illness or weakness. My feet won't hurt anymore. Rich will be able to hear perfectly. Laura will run again. Dan, you'll be able to breathe deeply and freely. And you will run and not grow weary. And Lynette will no longer have cancer. We'll know complete freedom. Complete 
joy. Complete well-being. Complete joy. Complete health. Never again will we know sin. Never again will you sin. Never again will anyone sin against you. Never again will anyone sin against someone you love. And never again will we or anyone else ever sin against the Lord. Can you imagine what that will be like? It will indeed be glorious. This is the promise. This is the hope of Revelation 21. The Apostle John saying, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be any mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Friends, this is our great hope. This is the hope of the Christian. Full salvation. Full knowledge of Jesus. Taken to our heavenly home where our citizenship is. Released from the toils and the sorrows and the travails of this life. Finally experiencing that that fullness of salvation and that true and complete freedom and joy for an eternity to come in the presence of the Lord in our glorified bodies. That's what awaits us at the second advent of Jesus. How we love this Savior. How we love this Lord. He is our great hope. Ever since our first parents sinned and God promised that from the offspring of the woman He would raise one up who would crush the serpent's head. Ever since in Psalms where the Lord spoke of one whom would be His anointed, to whom He would make the nations be like a footstool for Him. Ever since the Lord through the prophet Isaiah gave us that promise that Gavin and Alay read about to us earlier this morning. That promise that therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call His name Emmanuel. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon His shoulder, and His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of His government and of His peace, There shall be no end. Ever since an angel appeared to Mary and then to Joseph, ever since the multitude of the heavenly host appeared to the shepherds who were keeping watch over their flocks at night and the babe was born in the manger, Jesus has been the great hope of God's people. Ever since Jesus told His disciples in that passage in John 14, Trust in God. 
Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, and I go to prepare a place for you. And I will come again and take you to be with myself, so that where I am, you may also be. Ever since all of these words were spoken, ever since all of these promises had been given by the Lord to His people, this has been our hope. Jesus has been our hope. Jesus is the reason for the season. Jesus is the reason for our hope. Friends, hope in this Jesus. Trust in this Jesus. Give yourself to this Jesus. This one who first gave himself to and for you. Pray with me again. Lord God, we praise you. We praise you for who you are and for what you have done for us. We praise you for this hope that you have given to us, personified in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we await for his second coming, for his return, where we'll experience the culmination of all of these promises, Lord, we thank you that you have given to us the gift of your Holy Spirit who's been given to us so that we might continue to hope in the promises, to trust in your promises, to trust in Jesus. Lord, cause your Holy Spirit to show forth the power of Christ's resurrection in our lives. Not for our glory, Lord, but for you. And Lord, so that we might stay united to you embracing you in faith, walking faithfully with you for a lifetime. Lord, we have no hope outside of you. Continue to focus our hopes upon you always, Lord. And may we not find you wanting. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior, whom we await his return. In your great name we pray. Amen.